welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me once again is Josh Cacho. Josh, welcome to the new MLS season. It is good to be back. Right, I mean, after some time to reflect and to, you know, take it all in and to see where the off season season kind of kind of went, you know, and obviously I think we were we've had mixed feelings at times about where things were going and. If you, especially if you follow us on social media, it hasn't always been the most positive of of uh, commentary. But you know, here we are, right? And I'm I'm super excited to get this one started. Um, yeah, and can't wait for game one on Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, it's it was it was a rough season last year, um, and as we talked about time and time again on the show, to the point where Josh and I used to ask ourselves, "Are we being too negative? Are we?" Like, are, are we missing something? Do we need to change our approach here? Um, but, you know, LAFC missed out on the playoffs, and there's all these questions about, you know, is Diego Rossi coming back? Is he going to stay in Turkey? What's going on there? Will LAFC add a DP to, to fill his spot? Is Brian Rodriguez happy? Do they need a new DP to replace him? Is Carlos Vela happy? is a new DP coming in for him. So there were just so many holes that defense was terrible last year. Um, Josh and I talked mostly last year, I feel about the midfield and about their lack of production. Um, so how was LAFC going to address all these things? We've talked a lot about the, the need for uh, more veteran presence in, in the team and how, that's probably a factor when, when LAFC is having these ups and downs and just are so inconsistent throughout the season. And I feel like in this transfer window, JT gave it a really solid effort to, to address almost all of those issues. Um, Josh, what do you think the, the biggest, the biggest signing or the, like the biggest thing that, that JT went out and did? I think you have to go with Cropo writing at keeper, yeah. right? It's yeah. been such a problem area for this team um, since season one, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. Tyler Miller came out of nowhere, became became a an MLS starting caliber keeper, right? But at the same time, you know, had that moment with Zlatan that I feel like just kind of shell shocked him, and and it yeah. felt like it was it was always as long as he was wearing an LAFC shirt, right, that was always going to be in the back of his, in the back of his mind, in the sense that like, I don't know if the fans were ever going to let that one down, right? Like there's those moments that kind of define your career with particular clubs, not necessarily define your whole career, right, but, right. Um, you know, cause obviously you've seen guys move on, you know, have bad moments and move on and, and win championships. And that's what you actually remember them for. But for a particular fan base, for a particular, you know, um, club that you know those those couple moments where he seemed to just get zlatan every single time we play the galaxy were 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 those moments for us right and then you head into the rest of the seasons um with this revolving door at, at keeper where we try a million different people um with mixed results and usually on the negative side of of, of when when we would look at the scale of success, right? It's, it's definitely not on the on that high end, um, and, yeah. You know, and so to now have a guy that is proven, that's done in this league, you know that that 
game in, game out, you know that he's a guy capable of winning you a match with his ability to stop shots, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I we I the way that Vancouver played, um, or has played and continues to play, right, over the last couple of years, you know, more of a counterattacking style, bunker balls, those kinds of things. Um, we we know his shot stopping ability, right? What mm-hmm. we're not quite sure of is is what his ability to play with his feet and some of those things, but honestly do we really care if if he's going to make if he's going to be able to win games by stopping shots like those things can be figured out especially yeah. in a league like major league soccer where you know like i said the the salary constraints definitely will cause you to have to make compromises in specific with specific things because the guys that can, that can do all those things are not long for this league yeah they're they're going to get they're going to get hoovered up by bigger, bigger clubs in bigger leagues. Right. Uh, I, I, I agree on this one because of that revolving door that you referenced Josh and, uh, I totally agree on Tyler Miller. I feel like, uh, I'm going to add salt to a possibly still open wound, but Loris Carius, right. Mm-hmm. Who has this just horrific moment. Uh, and I believe that was Champions League, right? Oh, in the in the final. It was no, in the, the final, final against okay, Madrid. That's right. Uh and now is just like loan to loan to loan, can't figure it out. Um but what did Liverpool do immediately after that, right? They go out and they get somebody that they can depend on day one. No development, this is our guy. We know he's legit. We're going to ride with him. Um and I feel like that's uh, that's finally what LAFC have done. And we've gone through Pablo Cisniega and you mentioned, you know, shot stopping ability and not being able to play with feet. And he's the one that we always talk about in those, in those terms, right? Decent shot stopper, uh, but just horrific with his feet. And to the point where he's taking two, three, four touches to set up a, you know, a, a basic pass or, we're not even allowing him to take goal kicks. We're having Eddie Segura stand in and take them, right? So uh, just not not good. And then I think the whole, uh, the whole million-dollar Dutch venture, um, just not – you can't say it's for lack of trying, right? They tried, but I feel like they just tried to be too clever uh, or too cute with like, oh, well, yeah, let's go get a Dutch keeper and we'll just pay – We'll pay them whatever whatever we need because he'll be able to play with his feet, right? And, and to be fair, just... he was pretty good with his feet. Yeah. Just yeah, couldn't stop. Just... He just had weird blunders and gaffes. You know, and again, yeah. maybe that's a little bit of age, maybe that, you know, but you know, because again, even I mean, he did go to Cincinnati and that's a lost cause in its own. <laughs> so maybe it's hard to, you know, because again, he's a guy that had shown that he could do it at, a, at the top level, right? But again, maybe his best years were behind him yeah. or was just looking for something that, you know, maybe you know, maybe he was looking for something in in major league soccer, right? That that last payday, that last that last stop before you call, you hang it yeah. up and maybe didn't put in the work necessary to to get to be a, you know, the you know, the Tim Tim Howards of the world, right? Or mm-hmm. the even like the Nick uh, Nick Romando or or Luis Robles, right? Those kind of veteran guys that stuck around until the last yeah, bit, but still yeah. were super productive, right? And again, there's other places you'd rather spend the high the high end money, but a guy like a guy like Carpo, 
right? Who again? I think you know. May, I haven't seen that much of it because I just don't care to watch that many Canadian national team games. But you know, in those games where they're playing against other Concacaf competition, right? He's playing. He is playing with his feet. So not you know, it's probably something that he he he's capable yeah, yeah. of doing. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we'll see. You know, obviously, it's a it's it's going to be we're going to have a watchful eye, you know, because again, I think we're always going to be skeptical of these goalkeeper moves, but this is the most confident I've ever been heading into a season yeah. as it pertains to that position. I also feel like with the amount invested, I mean, Vermeer had a ton invested in him, but still a question mark because of his status at a backup at IX for so long, right? Now you get a guy who has been a starter in the league for a long time. So this is it. You ride or die with, with Max Grippo. Right. And that's okay. Like you've, you've seen him have success in the league and now you go get him and you're going to ride or die with him. And that's, that's good. Uh, I mean, if you're going to hit your wagon to, to a guy like that in major league soccer, he's probably the one, right? Because he single-handedly won Vancouver games. Yeah. You know, doing LAFC. Absolutely. I I think he got, I think that was a draw that last one, but, but, but again, like he's, he's going to make things extremely difficult on the other team and make mm-hmm. saves, you know, in those particular moments, right? And again, what what you're hoping for at this point is, you know, again, just the level of consistency, just that trust factor that, you know, the back line can play, you know, again, we, we knowing the way that this team has wanted to play, you know, like you said, that's that's your that's your first your first um field player, right? In yeah, that in the yeah. in the total football system where you're trying to find a guy who goalkeeper's a first attacker, mm-hmm, right? Who yeah. can distribute and do all these different things, and you know, and then at the same time still stop shot. So you yeah, know. Uh, Josh, I feel like the the next biggest one is Kellen Acosta. I feel like that signing was targeted to replace Edward Atuesta as as a six. I know that there's been lots of they also went out and got Ilya Sanchez, who's who's a holding midfielder. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they deploy these two. Uh, you and I were texting back and forth the other day. I see Kellen Acosta as a six. That's where I want to see him play um, based on what I've seen from him over the years with the U.S. men's national team, where I think he struggles as an eight or as an attacking midfielder and then has his best games and best performances as as a defensive midfielder, as a as a holding midfielder. I feel like his defensive awareness and his passing ability is better suited there than necessarily driving the ball forward and then dishing further up the field. Um, but it's open to interpretation. So, so I looked at this one a little bit differently, right? I I thought his signing was a, a move away from the dual dual eight attackers, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it gives you some flexibility in how you want to play it, right? Where you you where you can go four two three one and play Ilya and Acosta in a, in a double pivot, and you're mm-hmm. that's that's probably one of the better passing, you know, double yeah. pivots you're going to find in the league, right? Those two guys just get it, they understand it, they know where to where to put the ball. Um, and Sifu showed flashes of the ability to play that number ten role right last year, and, yeah. and you'll see. And, and he and we'll be able to interchange with Arango if Arango drops in, and so on and so forth. What However, I will say about Sifu is he was much better there 
than when the nine, Bob had right? him playing at the false nine. Like mm-hmm. that was just a failed experiment that just drove me absolutely insane all year last year. Absolutely right, and and the the only tough thing is in the four two three run it pulls those wingers back a little bit too far to the midfield, yeah, yeah. right? And which I which I don't think Vela will enjoy nor will excel at as opposed to when you get him on the touchline, basically. I think it's a bar for Brian Rodriguez as well. Yeah. Where, where, you know, he's a little bit more too, yeah. probably too narrow at that point. Right. Versus, you know, Vela is at his best when, when he receives the ball at feet on the touchline, right. Can cut in, you know, with a guy with, you know, a Diego Rossi making a run to the back, to the back post, you know, and Christian Ramirez making the run across the face of goal mm-hmm. to be able to either find the ball at his feet or, draw you know draw a defender to the side where Vela can now operate a little bit has more yeah. space to operate right that's the best attack we've seen is when LAFC was operating in that fashion so that 433 is probably you know like I said with with Carlos Vela still the focal point of the team right the 433 is probably our still still our best option all things considered um now where where does that mid how does that kind of midfield configure and i think it depends on how you how you think about it and like i said like i think this is a move away from the dual eight mid you know half space merchants mm-hmm. right which is something that bob was a big fan of um something that um it's a pep guardiola thing right where you have uh good like who is it right now it's good Nuan and and de bruyne operating yeah. in a half space you know scoring goals, doing the things, doing their thing, especially now without Aguero, right? Who, mm-hmm. you know, having that, that number nine who can, who can really take off. Um, what I really see it more of as is more of an industrious midfield, right? In, in more in the Liverpool model, right? Whereas you're not going to see Jordan Henderson driving the ball forward into space. That's not his thing. You don't even see Tiago driving the ball forward into space. What yeah. you see those guys doing is flattening out, letting the fullbacks get forward. You know, and we do have some pretty creative fullbacks on this team. Um, and then recycling possession, mm-hmm. right? And and being ball winners when when the when possession is recycled, but they can also clip a pass in into you know over the top to a to a guy. You know, you know, you'll see. You know, can they 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 can play some one twos. You know, you'll find them making the underlapping run. You know, like if the if the fullback pinches inside underneath, you know, they're gonna make a a run. You know, they'll make the overlapping run. You know, you have these rotations and these rondos that now become created because that guy is in a much different position than charging up into the space that Vela likes to occupy. Because I think one of the things that that K did really well with Vela, right, is that he never entered that space. Right. 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 Same thing with Lee Wynn, right? When he w- when he was in that same position, as as at eight, you you they knew not to get forward there. Whereas a lot of times, some of the eights that we've seen as of late like to get you know where you know especially Sifu, um, blessing is often there. They kind of you know create too much congestion, you know, in those areas where Vela and Rodriguez I think are most effective at operating, mm-hmm. right? So I think if you pinch the the forwards in as inside forwards, let the fullbacks get high, right? Especially with Hollingshead and Escobar. Right? Escobar scored the game-winning goal in the MLS Cup as a yeah. right wing back, right? So those guys are, are are perfectly capable of making things happen, probably at a better 
you know, and again, even if you look at your the two guys behind them or that are competing with them for time, Kim Moon Wan and and Palacios, those are guys also that can create, you know, create um, as they push forward. So the thing that we often were critical of is right. It's like, why is our formation, you know, two two center backs, a six in Atuesta who sits a little bit deeper, right, and and is distributing, but also gets forward two eights that are into the half space plus inside forwards and overlapping fullbacks. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we're playing a, a two and 10 formation. I mean, two and eight formation. Yeah. Right? Two, one, two, one, one, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm like, mm, what, what, you know, like where's the, where's our balance. Right. Whereas now, right. Yeah. With, with eights, you know, like I said, if you're asking them to be, you know, if you're asking, Acosta and Sifu to basically be Genie Wijnaldum and Jordan Henderson. Those guys won a Champions League. Those guys won a Premier League flattening out and recycling yeah. the ball and allowing and basically providing a platform for your forwards to do to go to work. right? Yeah. And if there's ever a group of forwards that we've had that you can let go to work, especially with the ball at their feet, it's these ones. Yeah, no, I I think I think you're you're spot on with you know, free up the forwards to do that. I think my, so if you want to play two, one, seven in possession, do it. Like attack from that platform. I think that's awesome, but you got to score goals. If you're pushing seven guys into the attack and never scoring, or, you know, this is what we can get into the statistics debate and people can cry about, Oh, well, LAFC were just, you know, they created, they had such a good, XG differential, like again, yeah, but they had no goals. Like they lost all the time because they would not put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, if you're going to put that many people forward, you had better be scoring because you're going to give up counterattacking shots. And they—that's the way that they played, right? Live and buy, die the, or live and die by the sword, and that's okay. But you have to score more goals than they did. Um, I don't even think they were—they averaged two goals a game last year, right? No, I think it was think one so. point five something um so it's just not good enough but um i think for me i i'm i'm still i think because like i'm curious about where they deploy acosta because again i just don't know Ilya sanchez that well um not being a huge mls league homer i just don't know all these guys very well so no i don't just sit around and watch skc or vancouver or Portland, right? I don't, I don't, I'm not watching these teams. Um, but I know that Ilya had about 2,500 minutes last season, which I think put him third on SKC in terms of minutes logged. Uh, so, I mean, he was busier than I thought he was. At first I thought, okay, well, maybe this is just like a depth piece. He's your fourth midfielder. He comes in to spell whoever you get to play the six. Um, so we'll see. Uh your idea of a four-two-three-one doesn't doesn't bother me. Even if they wanted to go like a, you know, like a four-one-four-one type of thing, I'd be you know I'd be okay with that kind of stuff. Uh, as we as we talk about all the time, these these formations are just starting points. The combinations are what really matter. How you how you arrive in the final third, and how you build through the middle, all those things change, and oftentimes formations are irrelevant in each third of, of the field. Um, so I, 
I still think they're missing a piece in the midfield. And I really hope that with Diego Rossi being moved on permanently, that it's a DP midfielder coming. Everybody knows my Ross Barkley joke uh, that is now just dead, but I'm going to continue to beat it uh, <laughs> until it's even more dead. Uh, I do like the the idea of Isco coming in, somebody in that mold, because I just don't know. Uh, we, you and I have hyped Sifu up a lot over the past few years that he's been here, but I just don't know if he's going to be enough. Now, maybe, like you said, the forwards get it together, and it's not so such a heavy lift on the midfield to, to create all these goals. Um, but based on what I saw last year, it's not enough. And that's where I would put all the money, all the DP money is in the midfield as well. Um, but I guess we'll find out on Saturday when they, when they actually take the field. So that's exciting to me. Um, any other signings you want to talk about here? I feel, I mean, I guess we should talk about fullbacks here, but. Yeah. I mean, the, <clears throat> I, I start, let's start there because I think that's, it's big because I think that, what they've done there gives you so much, a ton of options and flexibility, um, you know, and gives you a different way to approach the game than we've we've seen in in recent years from LAFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the so I feel like you have three of your four fullback options are are great as wingbacks as well in in Moon Escobar and Palacios. And you've got Hollingshead there, who is a very professional <laughs> left back, right? Uh, somebody who's a threat on set pieces, somebody uh, who is very, very solid defensively, and a guy that when I when LAFC signed them, I I was left thinking, are they are they done with Palacios? Is he moving into the midfield? As we've speculated. <laughs> could could potentially happen after him, you know, kind of spelling uh spelling guys in the midfield last year. Uh that's a really high profile signing to bring in when you have what you assume is the answer in Diego Palacios. So um I'm I again, I don't watch a whole lot of FC Dallas, so I don't know how he looks getting into the final third and playing as a as like an advanced fullback, but Time will tell. So from what, you know, like listening to the talking heads um, from state media, um, they they seem to think that he had, he's been one of the better attacking fullbacks across the league, mm. um, right. f- you know, for the last, what, four or five years, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, they're like, actually, his defense is the thing that's a little bit bit been oh really wow um like it's if if you're going to look at like he's been a good defender right but mm-hmm. he's known for his off his offensive ability okay um so again he i mean he's a guy that i think a lot of people would if you put him he's just been on a bad team right that didn't have yeah, much ambition yeah. in Dallas for the last couple of years and the reason i mean and you could tell when when they let him go it was a kind of a big deal for Dallas supporters a lot of Dallas um, for, fans were really confused yeah, as to why why they let him go, but uh, most of it from why they understand is the contract. He was in the last year of his contract. He's an LA guy. Um, kind of wanted his kids to grow up back here, that kind of thing. Okay. And so, 
look for that opportunity, um, knowing that his contract was coming towards an end there. And yeah. again, and he's on, he's what, 30, 31 now. So also, right, like looking for figuring, you know, trying to figure out what, what that long-term move is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, and I think he kind of steps into, you're going to come, you're going to come back to that 19, that, that same, those same questions of the first couple seasons where you're like, why is Jordan Harvey continuing to start games? And I think, well, yeah. we're gonna, he's that next guy where it's like, you're trying to figure out why he hasn't been usurped by the, the more hyped younger guy. Mm-hmm. But I, I am, my guess is I think we're going to, you know, we're going to see that, you know, that professionalism, that understanding of the league, those different things, having an understanding of the players that you go up against on a regular basis, those things are going to shine brightly. Um, I think when we see him on the field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's fine to me. Palacios is, is a guy that, that I rate. Um, I don't think he's like an overwhelming positive contributor in terms of offense. Uh, he's definitely not great in the like actually in the penalty area. So to me, he's not like a guy that you want to put at wing back because he's not he's not a great shooter, right? We talked about this last year where your wing back, if you're playing out of a three man back line, those wing backs have to be a threat down the down the touch line and also in the in the penalty area as a goal threat. Otherwise, why are you moving them so far forward and having them just attack, attack, attack? if they're not going to be respected for doing both things. Um, so I, you know, if, if Palacio sits as a result, then fine, that's, that's fine. Or maybe, maybe they have all the offers lined up for the summer and he, and he leaves in the summer. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to watch Farfan anymore. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I will say, I think the one thing that we're going to see this year is a ton of positional positional comp, uh, competition, right? That we yeah. haven't seen yeah. mm-hmm. in a while, right? Whereas, you know, obviously there's there's always been a presumed like, okay, this is our starting eleven, but this is the first this is the first time in a long time where I felt like people are are going to legitimately be pushing each other, yeah, for minutes, right? And like when and I think it was Max Vince talking about like when you watch practice, you'll see you know, a 10, 10 guys on the field and you'll wonder like, wait, that sounds like, seems about right. Like should be the starting 10. Yeah. Then you'll see the next 10 guys that come out against them in practice. And you're like, Oh wait, you know, and it, and it comes to be a, a, it tends to be a lot closer battle, right. Where, you know, again, and I think in soccer, you know, like going, I think we've talked about this previously, you know, looking at it from like that Malcolm Gladwell perspective where it's a weak, like weak link sport. Right. Yeah. I feel like the, that floor and that middle has raised up, significantly mm-hmm. to a point that I don't know if it's ever been this good in the middle, right? Maybe yeah, our, yeah. maybe our high end, you know, there's a lot, there's still question marks as it pertains to, to Rodriguez and, and Bella, you know, can Bella regain his form? And we still don't have a replacement for what Rosie brought fairly consistently. Right. Um, but, but the floor, the floor is super high, right? I think right. with the teams that we've had, this, we've needed that star power to really drag it to to the heights at which you know we've reached, right? Yeah. You needed Vela to score thirty four goals or whatever it was, and and to go off and have you know a record breaking season. You needed Rossi to be a Golden Boot candidate, you know, and you know like had it 
you know, in the in the nineteen, right? Had it not been for Vela, he's 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 competing for it as well, or whatever, and the Golden Boot the next year, anyways, right? But in absence of those guys, we saw how far how far the quality dropped off last year. Yeah, yeah, right. And and then it, you know, and then it raised slightly when we you know when Chicho came in and and was and you know and was solving a lot of the the goal scoring issues, but at the same time, there were so many holes that. We were still left with problems, but at this point, right, comparatively to previous years, where if there's a guy that's not pulling his weight, that's not playing well, I there's a cup, there's guys that are going to step in, and you're like, okay, I get it, yeah, right. Which I, mean, I don't feel me, like we've only, had that situation. No, no, not at all. To me, there's only two positions that are 100% locked in, and that's goalkeeper and striker. Um, and you can probably throw in a right winger, right, for, for Vela, uh, even though we haven't seen him. But just by sheer numbers of what that man is being paid and the kind of the gravitas that he has, right? So I guess you could say there's three spots. But I wouldn't be surprised if every other position on the field is spoken for. At left back, you have Hollingshead and Palacios. At center back, you have... Mario Segura's coming back. You have Mamadou Fall pushing both those guys uh, for a spot to the point where I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Segura and Fall start most of the games together. Um, you've got Escobar and Moon on the on the right. You have four plausible starters in the midfield. And even though, like you said, they, we've raised the middle, like we've raised the floor of that midfield, and I, I think the ceiling is is low on that midfield, but you have Sanchez, Acosta, Blessing, and Sifu, right? All plausible starters. And then on the wings, you have Brian Rodriguez. You have Opoku's back and scoring goals in, in preseason. Uh, you have Tajiri Shradi also on the wing. So you have a bunch of guys that are going to be fighting for those spots. Um, and now it's just a matter of, you know, does the ceiling stay high? And I think, uh, I think they have all the pieces they need for that ceiling to be high. And they have the flexibility in the summer to go out and get another DP and raise that ceiling even more. Uh, potentially two DPs if, if Vela walks. But maybe that's where we should go next with this, huh? Yeah. I mean, so in regards to that, right, there was, I think it was on the David Goss had a um, mm-hmm. a, sh- a show where they. Space. With, yeah. Yeah. Where um, Michelle Giannone of TUDNA um, had had who I guess is kind of tied in with Carlos Vela's camp yeah. and noted that this is, this is definitely his last year at LAFC and is planning on returning back to Spain um, with his wife, who's from San Sebastian um, next year. Now, this is not something that we should all be surprised about, right? This is yeah. about what <laughs> this is, you know, I, I feel like Carlos Vela has always been a, a, mercenary of sorts right yeah, yeah um in terms of in terms of how he's kind of approached football right it's kind of that guy who's uber talented um but is not you know but again like it's it's just it's just what he does right it's it's not who he is right i think it's probably right, the best way right. to describe it right it's like it's um you he know doesn't, it, he, he doesn't have like cristiano ronaldo's mentality where like i'm not going to eat a carb 
10 years so I can continue playing it in my 40s type of yeah. thing, right? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that. But No, like football doesn't define Carlos Vela right? no, in no. a very strange way, right? It's like he's he's a guy that's content with having a very happy family. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a dad and a, as a husband now, right? I kind of, I, I got to get it. Right, like healthy about it. Yeah, yeah, like when you look at your, you know, when you, you know, like there's, it's interesting. It's like, like you obviously having the desire and the drive to be, you know, good at your profession, but not being so obsessed that you, you know, that you, that you, you lose out on the, you know, on on the best part of having a family, right? Yeah, and yeah. and I think you know here's there's our dad corner for for the episode. Um, <laughs> We're right. too old to be hosting this show. Absolutely, <laughs> right? But you know, when, you know, ultimately, when you really think about it, right, it's like okay, I, I kind of get it. But at the same time, like he, they all on in better news for LAFC fans, right? Did report super motivated. Um, he yeah. he wants to go on on a high note, you know. And they said, you know, from all intents and purposes, looks great. You know, he's in shape. All these different things. Not, you know, didn't come in heavy, you know, like I think he looked, I mean, I will say when he came back last year, he looked heavy and yeah. didn't look like he was, you know, match fit, right? Had some, needed to work his way back into things. I mean, after the pandemic, I kind of, you know, makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, but it seems like he's he's locked in for this, for, for one last run at it, right? Okay, cool. Let's do it. And then, like I said, but he, it still gives you a ton of flexibility, right? Like, you can sign him to the you you can sign him through he's i think he's in, under contract through the rest of the year june 30th is his contract is up so yeah so yeah, i mean it's a precarious time to to have your contract expire yeah so i mean you can you can go a lot of ways with it you can extend him through the end of the year if things are going well um things aren't okay you know yeah bid him adieu you know and then and you have and then you and rodriguez has looked incredible from what I, it, it seems like you said him. Yeah, I mean, and, he ended the season really well last mm-hmm. year. So and and I think you know we were having, um, I was going having a little discussion with this on Twitter, and we were, the one thing that's like you just need consistency, right? Mm-hmm. If he can do it for a whole year, then right, you know, and 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 the flashes that we've seen, like he's going to be a best eleven candidate, right? And we'll yeah. get the move that he so desires. Right, and I I truly think that Ante Razov staying on on the coaching staff goes a long way to developing that, and also probably will fare better with um, Torrenlo's um, coaching approach as compared to Bob's kind of yeah you know yeah. like has to be done this way type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So regarding Vela. Um... I am not super optimistic about the future with him. Uh, I do think he's going to show well because it, uh, I think his interests right now align with LAFCs in that they need him to be good. And if he really wants to go back and play in Spain and not in the second division, then he's got to look good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we he's He's shown that he can get interest from the biggest clubs in Spain while playing for LAFC, right? There was a whole, is he going to go to Barca on loan thing? Um, so I think he's going to at least be motivated for the first three or four months of this of the season. But if you ask me, I just don't see him being interested in staying uh, 
beyond that contract. So there's a couple of ways that LAFC can handle this. They can let him walk on a free in June. They can they can try and extend him. I imagine he wants way more money than LAFC are, are willing to pay him, and that's probably where the rub is. Um, they could try and let him go somewhere and then loan him back for the for the rest of the season until he goes. You know, they can but in terms of like getting a big transfer fee for him, I, I saw people on Twitter talking about that. This idea that well, they could extend him through the end of 2023 and then promise to sell him in the winter. And I just do not see that happening at all. I think the way back to Spain for him is to show really well these couple months and then go on a free um, where a team doesn't have to take the risk in, in paying a big transfer fee for him. Uh, so I think, you know, that's, that's the way, that's the way Carlos is probably going to leave. And then, Hopefully they have a couple guys that they're ready to bring in and and integrate in the in the uh, summer transfer window. I mean, I'm just saying a guy who plays who has played right wing at the highest level that fits the exact same profile, also coming from Spain and is also on a free transfer heading into the summer. <laughs> He's available. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. Uh, it would be interesting to see people wrestle with the with the player coming from Real Madrid. That would be that would be big time. Yeah, but. and again, we'll see. I mean, obviously, it, like there's a it's one of those things where I think this team the potential is through the roof. Mm-hmm. The question just becomes also like there's so many moving parts that it's hard. To be like, oh, one hundred percent confident in that that it's going to end up that we're gonna you know end up reaching that but that same potential. Yeah, yeah, uh, it it is tough to see. I mean, the the other big variable here is Steve Chirundolo, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I think this is probably, despite us already talking for so long, I, I think this is probably the more important conversation. Is is what is Chirundolo looking to do with this team in terms of uh, in terms of a game model. Uh, we know that JT has been out and he's said that nothing changes in terms of tactics, in terms of principles, that it's all going to be the same. And that's the reason they wanted Chirundolo in the first place. So uh, Josh, knowing all that, what do you expect to see from Chirundolo this season and especially on Saturday? Um. Liverpool somewhere around 2017-ish, right? Like, mm. you know, I th- I think there it's a team that that if if they play for him is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, right. I mean, again, we we've when you think about what what they could potentially, you know, like the flexibility with Lyman, what they can do with it at times, right? Say you start with that that presumed lineup of like a, a presumed midfield of Ilie, Acosta, and Sifu, right? Mm-hmm. And you get a couple goals, right? You let Carlos Vela do his thing. Rodriguez is, continues his magic, right? You get a couple goals. Then at the 60th minute, you bring in Latif in and you just strangle the life out of teams. <laughs> like, yeah, literally yeah. you can break people's will with, mm-hmm. with, with, 
with those those types of changes, right? And you can do it, you know, again, and you have guys on this team, right? Whereas, and that the other part too, right? Is like, we can't discount the roster build this time around. Like, man, we were, we were as much, you know, people were Bob out. People were, you know, were critical on this player, that player, whatever. You and I have always been most critical of, of the way that JT has built this team. Yeah. Right? That's always yeah. been, I think our number one focus is, you know, Bob can only do so much, but when a team doesn't have the, you know, certain intangibles, but also is built, you know, like again, and, and based on the way it's built, it doesn't matter how much talent have, it's never going to, it's never going to kind of come together. Yeah. When you're rotating Corey Baird and Danny Musovsky in and out of the lineup as a, a striker, like your team is going to struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, it's just, it's, it was never going to be enough. It really wasn't. And I mean, looking back now at a, a season where you knew that you were, you know, you knew that you were going to lose Vela and, and Opoku on the wings and that Corey Baird and Danny Musovsky were going to play as many minutes as they did. You just, you had, you would, you would, you would know from the outset, okay, this is going to be bad, right? Because there's just not enough behind these players uh, to, to come and fill in. And that's not the case this year, assuming knock on wood, everybody's healthy. Yeah. But I mean, on top of that though, right. It's like, you know, like I always, like we, we I mean, we've, we talked about it at nauseum, right. How much we missed Stephen Betashore, right. Yeah. I mean, he's just yeah. his presence on the field, his ability to understand the game situation, right. Like there's games that, you know, LEC probably drops what anywhere between six and nine points last year. From winning positions? Oh, at least. Right. I, I think they were like the worst in the league in dropping points from winning positions. Okay. And so now, right, I mean, again, maybe Escobar goes off and, and, and costs you one here and there, right? But at the same time, I I'll, I feel like because in, in with a team that has a guy like Carlos, whose most talented player is a guy like Carlos Vela who – whose passion is often questioned, right? And that's putting uh-huh. it, that's probably putting it nicely, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have guys on the team that bring that heat, right? Yeah. And I think the team yeah. is now filled with those guys, right? Yep. Um, you know, whether whether it be, you know, and or or just professional guys, right? You're you're if if Vela's playing a certain way, you have a guy in Ilié who's a Barcelona, you know, that came from the Barcelona Academy that can have those conversations with him. You know that you know about how we can we you know what can we do to change to make adjustments right? Yeah. Um, that's going to be able that you know from all intents and purposes is the has been a force for good. I hate to use the LAFC slogans right when it comes to some of these things, but yeah. like both on and off the field in 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 SKC right. I talked to um, is it Aricelli? Aricelli, who, yeah, who covers um, SKC as well, mm-hmm. and you know, she couldn't say enough good things about him. Yeah. When, when it, you know, like when, you know, and I, cause I was wondering, I was like, man, cause I thought he, had, I know he had been doing some coaching stuff with their youth teams also, mm-hmm. but it was just cause he wanted to. Right. So right. it's a guy that, that I it's think like anti Carlos Vela, right? Absolutely. He just, right. The, he just loves the sport so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But then, but then that, that, that now becomes an extension of Trundle on the field. Yeah. Right? yeah. A guy who's infectious in terms of how he goes about it. And he's the guy that you want, to pull it all together, right? You have a, a you have a guy in terms of when it comes to 
who's going to be in the right vibes at all times and Chicho, right? So it's like yeah. you, yeah. when when it comes to intangibles, you have the right forces to counteract the 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 slide that we often saw at times with a team that was super young last year, right? Yeah, that got frustrated, that that held their head down, and even some of the veteran guys, right? At times where it's like, you know. Mac, right? Who is a guy that was a, you know, who's a fiery personality and is, you know, oftentimes was the hype guy, right? Mm-hmm. But when he had a bad game, was the one that was hanging his head, and then that yeah, brings yeah. that brings everyone else down around him, right? Whereas in the past, you had a Walker Zimmerman who could keep up the level, you had a Beta Shore who could keep up the level, you had a Jordan Harvey who could keep up the level, and then also make an impact on the field at the same time, right? So yeah. those are the things that I think you can't discount about this thing right and i think it's like this you know like while while the the ceiling still remains un, you know remains to be seen right this mm. this is a team where i'm like i look at it and i'm like okay this this has seattle vibes right yeah yeah in terms of build i mm-hmm. i agree um so a couple thoughts here uh so first of all they dropped 12 points Jeez. From from winning positions last year. <laughs> right. And it's a it's a combination of things, mostly backline and goalkeeping, right? Um but I mean that's 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 brutal. Brutal. Twelve points would have put them let's see, they ended with forty five. So they would have, you know, potentially ended with fifty seven, which would put them, I think, in second or third place. Mm-hmm. Um possibly higher because you assume some of those teams are the ones that you're losing to, right? Yeah. You're dropping points to them. So, um, yeah, if they get half those back, then then it's a different conversation. But Yeah, and I think the veterans alone are worth at least half that. Yeah, yeah. Right? And Crepo and Escobar and, and Hollingshead, right? And Acosta think, and, and yeah, 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 like those are and those are those are veteran guys that don't lose games, don't lose stupid games, in stupid right, ways, right? Right. So, and I think I think that's an important point too. So, in a lot of ways, you're looking at what seems like a one for one swap between Acosta and and Mac, but Acosta's actually a league veteran, right? He's a guy that's been involved with his national team since. 2015, 2016. Like 19 years old when he started getting. He getting was run. really, really young when Klinsman started calling him up, right? Had a huge tournament in the 2018 Gold Cup. 2018? 2017. I can't remember which one it was. Um, must have been 2017 because even 2016. I don't know. I don't know what year it was, but it was the year that they had the their really good red and blue kits with the stars down the shoulders. I can't remember what year that was. I think it was uh, 16 because then he blew out his knee. Yeah, yeah. Then he moved to Colorado. Mm-hmm. But it's a big difference from a guy like Mac who was a phenomenal player for LAFC in 2019, but I think largely a beneficiary of the people around him, right? He came from Louisville, uh, and he's an older player, so discovered later in life, but you know, doesn't have a whole lot of experience in the league. And we've, you know, we've talked about what he does and doesn't do well ad nauseum on this podcast, but Acosta gives you something different. He gives better defensive awareness. He's I was certainly on set pieces. I mean, any U S fan will tell, will tell you after the last window, like Acosta's service is incredible. And I think that's not, 
that's not something that you want to underrate uh, in this league is his ability to put the ball in an extremely dangerous position on, on set pieces. Uh, especially if you have him standing over it with his right foot and Vela standing over it with his left foot. Like that's a serious threat uh, to put over the ball on set pieces. Oh, and especially when you think about, right, like Acosta was a was dangerous from set pieces for Colorado yeah. for forever, yeah. right? And before that with Dallas. And so he's... That was, that was Colorado's MO, mm-hmm. right? Win ugly by just grinding out defensive games and then we're going to get, you know, three or four corners and three or four free kicks and we're going to score on one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite RSL ugly, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't pretty by any means. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, Robin Frazier had that team set up to be really difficult to play against, right? And I mm-hmm. think, like I said, if that's what you ask of Acosta and 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 Sifu and Blessing at times, they're going to make life miserable for people. Yeah. But, if, yeah. but the thing about Acosta is I think he gives you that flexibility to play multiple ways, right? You can play ugly. You can play beautiful. You can play some more in the middle. He can yeah. – I think he does – he's – again, because he – Prior, let's put it this way: prior to the prior to Christian Pulisic bursting onto the scene, right around 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. Acosta was that first guy that that people thought was going to be the the breakout yeah. US yeah. US player until he got hurt, right? Like he was getting, you know, he brought. I think he dragged Dallas into the playoffs one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klinsman brought him up. He looked good in the Gold Cup. Then he got hurt, and then it was kind of just, you know, didn't he didn't look good until until they kind of. You know, he. I think he was actually he revived playing a shuttler in the. You know, in a in a uh, in a four four two diamond. Right is where he kind of made his comeback at yeah. times because Jack Price is their deep deepest line midfielder. Yeah. So again, I, I think this past year they kind of used him in a bunch of different ways because I think they had some they had some and he's flexible, right? I mean, national teams played left back at times. Yeah, right? left back, right back. He's truly two footed. Mid, he's played right? like the he eight. provides Again, I don't, I don't... excellent service with the right, but is actually yeah. pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. So I think he gives you a lot. He gives you a lot of flexibility to do good. You know, do different things. You know, in different situations. Whereas, like I said, I think, you know. With you know, Atuesta is probably one of the best guys we've seen on the ball ever in the league, right? Mm-hmm. But man, that Ole against Seattle in 2019, right? I I still can't get over it. Yeah, right. It drives me crazy. And again, because he's he was never like Bob. Again, that the thing about both K and Atuesta, right? Bob converted them to what they became. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Atuesta was a ten. And and um, K was a winger. And K was a winger, right? And even then, K was a left back for Canada for the longest mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. so, again, so you're dealing with guys that have that Bob was able to mold and and you know raise their level up quite a bit. But I think what you're dealing with now is an opportunity for Turnley, who's you know from what all thing you know from what we've heard is excellent in terms of development, but also dealing with guys who I think are in that are playing their best positions right off the bat, right? You're not taking off, yeah. you're not taking an expansion team and having to mold it to something to more, you know, to try and mold it into make it bigger than the, you know, to make it, what is it bigger than the sum of its parts? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this is in so many ways, LAFC 2.0, right? 
beyond just not having Bob, like moving on from that era, moving on from, you know, how many, how many original players are still on the team? You have Vela, Blessing. I don't even know who else. I, I, Jordan I Harvey on the coaching staff. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, that's it. Right. So, uh, and then it's, it's signaling this new era of, well, at least this new model of building your roster where you include a lot of veterans. Um, and you went out and spent up on those veterans too. It's not like, oh, well, we brought in Lorenzi Mon because we were able to trade for him in the expansion draft. Uh, it's no, we want, we know what guy we want and we went out and got him. So uh, LAFC 2.0 in a lot of different ways. Uh, last thing I want to say about Chirundolo is this is a man who, despite not being a head coach for very long and despite having a rough tenure in, in, in Vegas, you've given him that roster, right? LAFC 2.0. And he's been around the game forever, right? This is a man that is beloved, beloved back in Germany um, and did it at a time when Americans were not doing this. This isn't Greg Berhalter getting fired from Hammerby, right? This is a man who uh, took the jobs that he was given uh, in Germany and did them really well and stuck around. Uh, And so he's, He's got plenty of experience. I do like that he was really versatile with that with that Vegas Lights team. Um, I saw them play four three three. I saw them play three five two, three four three, four two three one. I don't feel like he was so married to things, and that he was able to tinker the right amount in between games based on who was fit, who was available, what the what the opponent was doing. Uh, I just think the roster was terrible. Um, so. I, I do have high hopes for him. Uh, does that mean they're going to win MLS Cup? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's possible, I guess, because the roster is there. Uh, I don't see them winning the Shield. But I, I think this is a team that can do well in tournament play, for sure. Like, I think given, given where, what his, you know, what his, qualities are you know from what we've heard right in terms of player development and some of these in and and a guy who's a man manager of sorts right i feel like he's built to last an mls season right yeah, yeah. right think about guys like you know brian schmetzer bruce arena who have had lots of success in major league soccer right they're not they don't have bob's personality yeah yeah right they it's tend the to Marcelo be a little Bielsa problem right right Absolutely. guys run out of juice Mm-hmm. Right or in, again, like there's a reason why Jurgen Klopp has lasted as long as he has. Yeah, right. Like yeah. he's he's come. I think he's coming up on almost ten years now at, at one spot, right? Which is incredible for. Has it been that long? He came in like 2014 or 15. Really? Yeah, it's like halfway through 14, I believe, is when he started. 16 is when he had Coutinho and and well, half of Daniel Sturridge. Man, I would say it was like fourteen or fifteen. Page twenty fifteen. Yeah, see, because I remember he, like I said, he was at that. You know, the the team that he inherited was not very well. He came in midway, like midway through the season or something like that. But right, like that's you know what's crazy about that. Sorry, no, go for it. 
he was like Christian Pulisic was with him at Dortmund, not necessarily yeah. first team, right? But that like that's how long Pulisic has been on the scene, mm-hmm. um, and he's still really young. <laughs> that's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's the thing. So it's like the like for a part for a play, you know guys that tend to last a long time, right? In some of these places, are people that don't rub people the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Bob is probably more in that. Conte Mourinho camp in terms of how he goes about things where it's like they'll come they'll win they're out because yeah, you can't yeah. you can't deal with you can't deal with them for that long right mm-hmm. or even you know like a, you know Belichick is kind of the weird example but he cycles through players yeah yeah he he, <laughs> he stays put the players get booted right mm-hmm. yeah. and so you know again there's there's different ways to go about it right but a guy you know guys who can build something put it all together Right, it it tends to be these man the guys who tend to be more man managers than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Right, Pep is kind of like a, you know, like a a, a good balance between the two. Right, where mm-hmm. he's where he's lasted as long as he has in, in some of his spots, but he burns himself out as opposed to him burning out the players. Right, yeah. which is a little bit different. So I just I just read a a good book on Thomas Tuchel. Actually, it's called Rule Bra- uh, Rule Breaker, and uh, it's very interesting to to follow his career behind Klopp because Klopp is this larger than life figure who delivers results and the personal side. Right. Mm -hmm. And Tuchel has never been, will never be that guy, but is a a really brilliant tactician and an extremely good like trainer in that he he knows exactly how to train players to do what he needs on the field, uh, which I think is why you see you know immediate success in Chelsea and then things fall off. Like I think he's in the opposite mold, right? Um, but it was interesting because this book basically pits uh, Tuchel's you know time at Dortmund and and at Mines and you know now in the Premier League too. Uh, it's always it's always he's always in Klopp's shadow. And can't quite escape it for that same reason because Klopp is this man manager. So hopefully we get a little bit, uh, a little bit of that Jurgen Kloppness with with Chirondolo. Time will tell, Josh. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's trying to find. You know, like I said, and I don't. I mean, I, the weird thing, right? Like Klopp was this this mythical figure at Mainz, right? Mm-hmm. And similar to what Chirondolo was at and um, Hanover, Hanover. Yeah. Yeah, he's the mayor yeah. of Hanover. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right. So at you know what he was there at Hanover, right? So if if he can win win people over, right, and get them, you know, begin because it, we're dealing with professional athletes. Yeah, right? we're dealing with guys who are at the top of their profession, and at a certain point, right, that that it where you know you just don't want to be told by another per, you know another adult that I'm doing things wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. You know, again, this go back to Daghorn, right? This is, you know, like the only advice I want to take from people is how to be a better dad, right? And even then, yeah, I don't really yeah. want to listen half the time, right? <laughs> but, but really, that that that's where I'm looking to improve as it pertains to my profession, as it pertains to some of these different things. I don't really want to hear it from other adults because I know yeah, yeah. most adult, other adults probably full of crap, mm-hmm. right? So as you know, so when it comes to this, you know, again, and we've all probably been there in our professional lives where we're getting scolded by a, a manager or someone who you're just like, man, this guy doesn't, yeah, I'm over it, right? Yeah. And they could be right, yeah. right? They could be a genius and I'm still not listening, right? Versus a lot of times it's how, 
the best the best bosses, the guys that you want to work for, the guys that you want to go to bat for, are typically the ones that understand personalities and can read the room and know how to get you, you know, how to push the right buttons to get you to perform at the best level. Yeah. Right? And I think Bob yeah. did a little bit of that in season one, right? The, oh, Vela's my messy, da 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 da. You heard some of those things, you know, like, this is what I think you can be. And guys believed in that and they saw the results. So they're willing to tolerate the work mm-hmm. that comes with it. But when you get to a certain point and a certain level, I'm not sure that it that it that it always lands. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, man. Well, we just went over an hour, so I think uh, <laughs> I think we probably talked enough in terms of a season preview. We'll be talking to everybody again on Saturday night after the Colorado game. Uh, hopefully. It's just nothing but positives. Hopefully we come out and we avenge our loss at the end of the season last year. Uh, both Acosta and Mac get their little revenge game and hopefully Kellen Acosta comes out on top on this one. Yeah. So if anyone's at the game this weekend, um, my wife is amazing and got us tickets for the sporter section. So send me a message, come find me, come say hello. Always want to say hello and, you know, talk with everyone, discuss the club that we all love, enjoy it all together. So we'll be out there, um, you know, bright and early on Saturday morning. Yeah, uh, I I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch live uh, because I'm coaching like six games on Saturday. So uh, we will see if I, I'll, I'll, you know, what time I'll wrap up and everything. But uh, I definitely won't be live tweeting this one. Um, I'll probably just get, uh, I'll probably hop on. Well, I won't hop on Twitter until after the game, I suppose. And I'll just, then I'll just download my thoughts on at the end and then, here on the show. But uh, in the meantime, you can follow us at counterpress underscore me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh, LAFC, Josh, and we will talk to you all on Saturday night. Good night.